All right, this is called The Nature of Authority. Lesson one, Introduction to Authority. We've never taught these lessons before. And this isn't maybe what some of us old Word of Faith people should be expecting. This is a much broader overview which, with a much tighter application than just speaking to mountains and demons. This is going to hit a lot closer to home, but we have to lay the foundation of what authority is. So we have a lot to cover this morning. We'll just get into it. Let's define authority as the power to determine, adjudicate, or settle issues and disputes. I'm going to read it again. Authority is the power to determine, to adjudicate, or settle issues and disputes. It is the right to control, the right to command, the right to determine, and it's also legal power to make and enforce laws. We need to understand what authority is because we all have a measure of it. And I would say humbly and as politely as possible, we usually fail. We have authority in many areas of life, and we are failing God in some capacity, usually at any given moment. We don't have the authority of the Supreme Court. We don't have the authority of a police officer unless we're an officer. We don't have the authority of a university president, but we do have authority in our own private lives. We have authority on our jobs. We have authority over our children, but perhaps and probably most likely we're not using it properly, and therefore things are falling apart in our life. One of the big overall overarching themes of this lesson is going to be the stewardship, not this lesson, but the curriculum, the stewardship behind authority, and that if we don't properly use it, we will suffer. Now, I like to teach doctrine with responsibility attached to it. If we don't understand the responsibility behind every doctrine, it's just useless knowledge. If we don't understand that all doctrine has a responsibility that lands in our lap, then all we're doing is talking biblical trivia. Biblical trivia is fun when it's a youth group game, but I'm not fooling with biblical trivia. We have doctrine that has cause and effect, consequences and rewards. It has responsibility attached to it. So we will simplify the definition by summarizing authority as follows. It's the right or power to make decisions, give orders, and to enforce obedience. And please hear me. Every one of us has some measure of authority and over the course of our lives, hopefully we will see that measure increase. Even little children are given authorization to clean up their room. They're given authorization to at some point make their own lunch. They're given authorization at some point to spend their allowance money. And as they grow up, hopefully they increase in authority levels. One of the revealing factors about how well we steward authority is how much we are still aiming and gathering and earning. If you die with the authority level of a 15-year-old, you failed life. It's just how it works. Alexander's with us. He's in the U.S. Marine Corps. He understands earning rank, and with rank comes authority. And if you've been in the Marine Corps for 20 years and you're still at the enlisted rank... You have failed the United States, your mama, your, your core, and your manhood. And there will be a lot of Christians go to heaven with the rank of private and have never earned any more authority than what they had when they first came to Christ. So the premier purpose of authority is to create and maintain peace and harmony wherever men are found. Wherever men are found, authority 
The premier purpose of it is to create and maintain peace and harmony. Obviously, folks use authority for other nefarious purposes and corrupt purposes. Politics are corrupted because people use their authority for wealth. The corruption of our Democratic and Republican parties today is that these perverts are 80 years old using their authority to embezzle millions. And for what purpose? You're not going to be alive much longer. You have more money than you can shake a stick at. And I believe in term limits for everybody, most especially congressional and senatorial representatives. Amen. The premier purpose of authority is to create and maintain peace and harmony wherever men are found. That begins with you. Wherever you are found, you have the authorization to create and maintain peace and harmony in between your ears. Now listen to me clearly. If you and I cannot exercise the God-given authority we have to maintain peace and harmony in between our ears with our mind, our will, and our emotions, we will very, very hardly ever see any other promotion in life. Because you don't promote crazy people. You don't promote emotionally unstable people. When people fail to come to work because they woke up with the blues, you can't promote them or use them. If somebody's always missing work because they're sick, 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 you can't promote them. They won't use their authority to go to the doctor or command sickness to go and rebuke the spirit of infirmity. You can't promote that person. So they will die at the same level they mastered at 16. I'm not, I'm not beating up on folks fighting mental illness, nor am I beating up on people fighting sickness, but we've been given authorization to do something about it. So understand that the premier purpose of all authority is to create and maintain peace and harmony wherever men are found. Apply this to any arena of life, you will find that that maxim holds true. The, pat, the teacher's job is to teach and maintain harmony in the classroom and give them education that will allow the student to go on to have peace in life. Police officer, they're called peace officers. Law enforcement. Same with our legislators before they become perverts. Same with CEOs. They maintain the order of the, the company. Same with lawyers. All right. The river of authority and what is theologically called the economic trinity all authority comes from God. He is the first authority, and he is the final authority. He is the creator and giver of authority. All things began with him, for God is authority. Psalm 45, 6 says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Uh, so what we see here is thrones and scepters, the throne of God and the scepter of God. So those are symbolic. I don't believe, well, I don't know. I've never been to heaven. I we understand the concept of a scepter, a scepter of authority, the rod of iron. We also understand a throne. These are symbolic. Perhaps he does have a literal throne he sits on. The Bible speaks of it. I just haven't seen it. Is it really a golden throne in heaven? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's where we get it from. I'm not trying to diminish God. But God inhabits all of time creation is he bound to a singular throne? Theological mystery. God's throne is his seat of authority, and his scepter is the emblem of his regal and imperial power. A scepter represents sovereignty, that is, supreme and independent power or authority. God isn't submitted to anybody, much less modern man. This authority flows from the throne of God like a river. 
It flows from the Father to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is explained by the concept of economic subordinationism or economic trinity. Now, I want to explain this because for some, in some circles, the concept of economic trinity or economic subordinationism is considered a heresy. Once I explain it to you, you'll understand it's not a heresy. There's just people that get really hung up on one or two verses, and you can't build a doctrine on one or two verses. That's poor hermeneutics. This is a doctrine that states for the time being and for the sake of efficiency of divine activities, the nature of Trinity sees the Holy Spirit receiving from the Son while the Son is submitted to the Father. Now, the reason it's considered a heresy is if you say that the Son is submitted to the Father, then what you're implying, so they say, is that the Son and the Father are not equal. Except we have a whole lot of Scripture that teach us that God is both God and the Son are equal, and yet the Son is submitted to the Father. It's what is explained as a doctrinal tension or a biblical mystery. I don't have a problem with it. Some people do. But those people are usually angry at everything in life. The more they study the Bible, the more angry they get, perhaps with themselves. I'm not sure. I read the Bible, and I love God more. I don't get angry with myself. Though the persons of the Godhead are co-equal, this is the doctrine of the Trinity, and we affirm this. This is what we believe. Though the persons of the Godhead are co-equal in power, glory, and nature, they differ in role and function, and different roles and functions is called economics or oikonos, that is, the management of a household. We now apply economics to money because it's how you manage a household of finances. Although some believers disagree with this concept, we have to understand if there's no difference in the roles of the Trinity, then there can be no distinction between the persons. If every person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, if they're equal in their roles, then what's the distinction? So consider these biblical facts. Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. The Father and the Spirit are not described as begotten. The son went about his father's business. The father was not about the son's business. The father anointed the son with the Holy Spirit. The son did not anoint the father with the Holy Spirit. We're seeing what is called economic Trinitarianism or economic subordinationism. Co-equal in majesty, co-equal in glory, three distinct persons and yet different roles and positions in their, we would call it their activities with mankind. The Father gave the Son. The Son did not give the Father. The Father sent the Son. The Son did not send the Father. The Son came to do the will of the Father. The Father does not do the will of the Son. The Son learned obedience to the Father. The Father did not learn obedience to the Son. Are we seeing the picture over and over and over again? So to call economic subordinationism a heresy is to deny most of John's gospel, which would make you the heretic, not this doctrine a heresy. Okay. The Son prayed the will of the Father be done. The Father did not pray the will of the Son be done. And then, of course, Paul says the head of Christ is God. So that one kind of just deep sixes any contradiction right there. Furthermore, of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Really, this comes down to the ministry of the Trinity. God the Father has one role. God the Son has another role. God the Holy Spirit has a totally different role. 
And even when you understand where their positions are in this moment of time, God the Father and God the Son are in heaven. The Holy Spirit is in the earth because God is seated on his throne and Jesus is seated at his right hand and the Holy Spirit is in the earth. All right. To me, this is basic Trinitarianism. And yet folks who just want to fight because they believe in polemics more than they do evangelism, they just have to have something to disagree over. So for the time being and for the sake of the household's organization, that is oikonos or economics, the management of any household, the spirit is submitted to the son and the son is submitted to the father until God may be all in all. And Corinthians does tell us there's coming a time where it will all be one back together again. That time is in the future. It is not today. It's not for at least a thousand years because it will happen after the millennial reign of Christ. If you're a millennialist, if you're an amillennialist, I have no explanation for you. Just try to have your best Friday ever, okay? For now, authority is delegated from the Godhead down to the earth and into the affairs of mankind. The ultimate purpose and determined result for all authority is peace, all right? The ultimate purpose for all authority is peace. So that means if you lack peace in your life, you have not been exercising the measure of authority you've been given. If you lack peace in your emotions, you have been derelict in your authorization. If you lack peace in your body, peace in your finances, peace in your marriage, you have been given authority to obtain it. And I'm not against medication should you need it. But, and here's the big but, if you're always turning to a pill, that's the lazy way out. Even if you're a secularist and you go to marriage counseling, you're trying to use authority to bring about peace in your marriage. The problem with authority is that it has responsibility. And what we have to acknowledge is mankind is less responsible today than they ever have been. You're awfully quiet this morning. I don't know if your head's spinning on economic subordinationism. To me, it's a simple concept. Or if you're just really upset with yourself that you're lazy. <laughs> I will point out that disease of the body is spelled dis-ease. You have no peace in your body. Even if you don't have a doctrine of healing, even if you don't believe God heals, you will still take some responsibility and go to the doctor and get some help. But why not begin that on the way to the hospital or the way to the emergency room or the way to the pharmacy and speak to your body and use the authorization you've been given? All right, so let's look at God's delegated authority. As supreme creator, God created positions in the earth to which he could, de uh, could delegate his authority. God has all authority, and yet because he wants peace and stability in the earth, he then created seats of authority in the earth so that his divine peace his divine unity could then trickle down almost like a fountain or a river into every area, every hamlet, every village, every holler, every villa in the earth, every household. And you really do see the authority of God to bring about peace trickling into every area. I've been to some very remote parts of Africa, and you see a village, and it always has a chief, and it always has elders, so that peace, that those people, even if they're pagans with a bone in their nose, much like modern worship leaders, even they can have peace. It's the mercy of God. Because even though they might worship their ancestors or demons, God still wants them to have peace. So even the chief in the bush village of pagans exercises authority and dominion 
so that his people can live in peace. And yet here we are in the Christian nation and we don't want peace. We want agitation or we're too lazy to do something to get peace in our mind and in our will and in our emotions. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power. I find it interesting that the things he creates are all realms of authority, thrones, dominions, principalities, power. It says all things were created. And the first thing he says is not blades of grass, hummingbirds or goats. It's realms of authority. Because when you are all authority, you create things. There's going to be power about it. All things were created by him and for him, and in his, uh, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. In creating monarchical thrones, dominions, principalities, which means chief and rank, and power, which means governments, God distributed a measure of his authority into each of these arenas for the purpose of providing organization, harmony, efficiency, and peace for mankind. In that regard... Authority properly used is a gift of mercy and love because it helps, protects, and preserves life. It enforces divine and civil law. Even because there are places in Africa that are still polygamist, even the polygamous pagan bush village of East Africa, you might have five wives, but you don't sleep with another man's. There's still divine law there, though there's ignorance of perfect doctrine. And that keeps men from fighting and killing each other over adultery. Romans 13.1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, that is, governing authorities. Let every soul be subject. For there is no power or authority but of God. I have never been shot at by police. Nor have I been shot at with rubber bullets or tased. But I was also taught by my culture to submit and respect. There are certain cultures that teach hate, rebellion, lawlessness, and they wonder why their communities are full of de degradation, poverty, addiction, prostitution, death. Well, you can't violate divine laws no matter where you're living or your skin color or your accent and expect God's blessing to be there. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no authority but of God. The powers or authority that be are ordained or ordered of God. And this comes back to the greater subject of lawlessness. So much of our society today is lawless, and the best way to destroy a Christian nation is to teach lawlessness. Except that peace is only found through law and obedience to it. You start violating the laws of physics and the laws of chemistry, you, you start losing peace real quick. Romans 13, 2, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Yeah, I think you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Amen. There's a lot of controversy around the state of Israel, and I don't remember whether it was 300 or 800 rockets were launched last week in one day into Israel. And so if Israel decides to send a gunship into Hamas and devastate a community, they're hated on. But nobody covers the fact that 800, I think it was 800, 800 rockets were launched in one day 
Did that make your news feed? So doesn't a, a village have a right to defend itself? So if you're tired of being shot by Israeli gunships, I have an idea. Quit sending hundreds of rockets over your border. If you don't like being shot by rubber bullets and your pretend genitalia, don't burn cities to the ground. I think, I don't know, I think it's pretty safe. To me, this is common sense. But part of the curse of God on our nation is the great delusion that most of our young people live under. Old timers are like, what is wrong with these people? Well, you parented them. Or didn't. Those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Romans 13 further affirms that the right or power to make decisions, to give orders, and to enforce obedience was distributed and ordained by God. Why is obedience enforced? To keep peace and order to the end mankind might live quiet and peaceable lives. These truths were first established in the Garden of Eden. So authority in the garden. From the very beginning, God's divine plan required mankind to walk in a measure of God's authority. And even pagans, even dictators, even communist regimes, even morons in the EU or morons in the White House, they walk in a measure of God's authority. The people that ultimately crucified Jesus were the high priests and the scribes. And yet Jesus said, go show the, the sacrifice Moses commanded to the high priest. And he also said, whatever they tell you to do, do it, for they sit in the seat of Moses. Even Jesus was submitted to the seat of Moses because Jesus ordained the seat of Moses. And when Jesus would heal people, he would command them to go to offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded in testimony of healing because Jesus fulfilled law. And these concepts are very simple if you study the Bible beyond how to feel good about your fornication and making out with your girlfriend. If all you ever do is study the Bible to feel good about your sin, you'll never know God. There is a law for you in the New Testament. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. Amen. All right, Genesis 1, talking about authority from the beginning. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. So the very first thing God said when he created man is they're going to have authority. That comes back to our responsibility. So please hear me. You and I have been given authority from the Godhead from the very beginning, a measure of God's authorization to do things. And the premier purpose is peace. And if you and I don't have peace, it's because we're not doing the first thing God gave us to do, which is to exercise dominion. There's no reason you should be crazy in this earth today. There's no reason you should be distraught for any length of time or depressed or sad or blue or emotional. You have been given authorization to command anything under your domain, which begins with the flesh in between your ears. And if you can't master six inches of gray matter called brains... What will happen to the rest of your life? What will happen to your marriage? What will become of your kids? God hasn't given us a garden because we're still mastering this little thing here. And if you can't master what's in between your ears and what beats in your chest, what we would call the heart, this is where you cease to advance. 
Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion. These are commands. Subdue and have dominion over fish of the sea, fowl of the air, over everything that moveth upon the earth. You and I moveth upon the earth. So we should master ourselves first. Psalm 8, 4 through 6 testifies of the same thing. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Put all things under his feet. That includes us. Let dominion and authorization begin in our life. I can't exercise dominion for you over your mind, your will, and your emotions or your flesh. If you're fighting health issues, even the doctor can't. All he can say is, if you'll do what I tell you, you can get healthier. Sometimes the doctor has to scare a patient into a wake-up call of responsibility. We've all been given the same amount of hours in a day and the same authorization to start off with, but we won't all finish our race the same. Authorization takes work. Authority takes work. It takes discipline. So let's say it this way. The fruit of our marriage, the fruit of our money, the fruit of our life, the fruit of our kids, where it stands today is a testimony to how we have used the authorization God has given us. I am approaching 47. It's not a good faith confession, but it's reality. I can tell my body's changing. And I'm wise enough to watch it. I was going through my pants drawer yesterday, and I found a pair of J. Crew pants from 20 years ago. Good looking. They're back in style again. I've held on to them because they were faith pants, that one day I would be as skinny as I was at 26. Not that I'm a big guy. I, don't, I know I'm not a big guy. But my body has changed. And I remember looking at those faith pants yesterday. I said, who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? I could have blessed somebody 20 years ago with those pants, and they could have worn them and retired them. And here I am hanging on to them as faith pants. I said, I don't have the faith to get this mountain in those pants. <laughs> and then I said, but I should. I should. When these pants fit, I weighed 20 pounds less than I do today. I was 176. I was like begging to hit 180. And now I'm at 196 going, man, if I could hit 186 again... I'd look like Bruce Lee. <laughs> to which I say, if I look like Bruce Lee, my name would be something Wong. <laughs> which might be a racist joke. But who am I to judge? That's my truth. Who are you to criticize me? God gave man the right or power to make decisions, to give orders, to enforce obedience in the Garden of Eden and over all the earth. In essence, God made man the steward over the earth and every living thing in the earth. From the Genesis account, we extract three limitations to authority. So this is just an introduction. There's a lot of things over the next several weeks we'll, we'll get deeper into. You have to know you have authorization, and your life demonstrates how well you've used it. If you don't know it, if you don't know you have authorization, then you don't know what you can or cannot permit, forbid, allow, enforce. And that's why we have to teach on it. But at the same time, some stuff is just common sense. 
The three limitations of authority. Being delegated by a higher power, all authority carries with it three built-in limitations. And these limitations are domain, scope, and time. So our first limitation of authorization is domain. Whenever you and I have been given authority, it always covers a domain. Because we are in the fallen state and we are finite beings, we don't have infinite authority. It's regulated by God. It is limited. And yet, if we will maximize all three of these limitations, we will, God forbid the word, earn more authority. You're not just given it because you believe God for it. You have to earn things through responsibility and stewardship. So long as there is a biblical term called stewardship, there is a biblical concept called earning. It's called a meritocracy. You don't get blessed because you were born. You get blessed because you're judged worthy. Paul said, I was counted worthy. Domain of authority. What is the geographic area and or group of people over which you have been set to lead, superintend, or manage? Some people will die having never been given any authorization over anybody but the six inches of gray matter. And like I keep saying, until you master the six inches of gray matter, you're not going to have much authorization given to you over anybody else because why would God want you to reproduce your shortcomings in other people? Adam was, was uh, placed in the Garden of Eden. That was his domain. He was not placed in Antarctica. He was not placed in Europe. He was not placed in Australia. He was placed in the Garden of Eden, which they think was somewhere between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Police enforce law within their city limits, not the neighboring city. City of Cookville police, city of all good police. There's jurisdictions. The police have a, a unit they patrol. There's a certain street. They all know that's the county. That becomes county domain. We cross this line, now we're in the city of all good. We go down too far, now we're into Sparta. The sheriff deputies enforce law within their county limits, not the neighboring county or country. Teachers oversee their classrooms, not the classroom down the hall, not the classroom in a different school. Parents parent their children, not the neighbor's children, though they wish they could sometimes. Though sometimes you do step out and say, hey, don't push my kid down again. Pastors oversee their flock, not the flock across the street. Salespeople sell their employer's goods, not the goods of the competitor. Even in sales, there's a domain. Now, please listen, because this will help your life improve. We have believed this lie that if we just get born again, our life is automatically better. We've also believed the lie just because I received instruction, and I know all doctrine, I've read everybody's books, that my life will be better. Authorization takes work. Police have to patrol. Good teachers walk up and down and look over their, te their students' shoulders. Professors ask for questions. They, give, they have to inspect. In fact, all authorities summarized in this one proverb, take heed to know the state of thy flock. Authorization is summarized in that one proverb. And if you're too lazy to take heed to know the state of your flock, you'll never fix your flock. You go inspect your flock, realizing you have the authorization to fix wherever the flock is lacking. How about scope of work? So we have domain, that is a geographical assignment. Scope of work is the type of work. What work must be accomplished? The scope of work defines the purpose and type of work the delegated authority is meant to accomplish. For example, Adam was to dress and keep the garden. 
That was his scope. There were no, no schools to superintend or widgets to manufacture. He was a gardener. He did, he did not develop the garden. He did not build infrastructure. He gardened the garden. Teachers superintend a classroom. They don't police it with guns, nor do they mop stuff up. They call the janitor for that. Unions understand this pretty well, almost to their own legalistic demise. I'm sorry, I just turned nuts. I don't hammer nails. That's how retarded unions are. If you've ever worked with unions, you understand that's how retarded and legalistic are. I, I need this because the guy can't hammer the hammer, hammer the nail because he's not union. Can you come and hammer this nail? And the union guy says, no, no, I'm not a nail hammer. I'm a nut turner. Well, then what is it going to take to get a unionized nail hammer? Well, you got to call the union hall. How long will that take? Two or three days. So this nail gets unhammered for two or three days till we get a union chump in here. Yeah, and how much are we going to be charged for that? $80 an hour. I will hammer the nail. You can't hammer the nail. You'll be in trouble with the union. That's scope to the extreme nth legalistic degree. We would say if the job needs to be done, just do it. And I'm thankful that we live in a right-to-work state. We don't have to have these morons called unions, which are corrupt to the core. Somehow they support Democrats. But Republicans take their money, too. School teachers educate students. That's their job. Well, it used to be. Now they just babysit and try not to get sued by stupid parents. School teachers educate students for the betterment of society. Contractors build structures for their clients. That's the scope. Drill sergeants train new recruits for the military. Pastors lead a local flock to produce fruit for Jesus. Managers supervise their underlings to ensure productivity. So then your third limit is time. What is the term of the authorization? Domain, scope, and time. All authority eventually expires at death, if not before. If you retire, you're no longer authorized. If you die, you're no longer authorized. If you get demoted, you're no longer authorized. Let's come back to the soul, because that's where all authority starts. If you can't get a hold of your emotions, you will, to the nth extreme degree, you'll eventually be committed to a loony bin. And because you've demonstrated your lack of desire to exercise any authority, all authority to the nth degree will be taken from you. Worst case scenario, fulfilling the stereotype, you'll be straightjacketed, put in a round room, and fed with applesauce and pills because to the extreme demonstration, you did not want any responsibility. And the time of your authorization was expired. And now, to get back from that, you probably will have to have a demon cast out of you. And that can only happen when somebody comes along who knows how to use authority. The whole of your life rises and falls on the stewardship of authority. Some people are not prepared for marriage because they haven't used authority in their own life yet, but they can't wait to marry and boss somebody else around. I feel sorry for the people dumb enough to get into that covenant. You know, we talk about the hyper-controlling woman. She wants to control everybody but herself. That makes for a miserable marriage. Time limit? Adam would have been appointed over the garden for life had he not rebelled. The president of the United States is selected for a four-year term. He can only have two of those, eight years, praise the Lord. It means you only have to endure with whoever you hate for four years or eight at most. All elected officials have term limits because they are elected. Well, actually, some of our representatives don't. I should say should have term limits. 
Parents are legally responsible for the children for 18 years, at which time the child is then considered a legal adult. That's our culture, Western civilization anyway. Employees are authorized to accomplish work for their boss as long as they are employed. Try to go back and work for your boss once you've quit, been fired, or uh, run off. That's why they, if you get fired or they get let go, they come to your office. They put a security guard there. They give you a box. Put all your belongings in here. We're going to escort you out. They just strip from you every bit of authorization. Your name tag doesn't work. Your passcode doesn't work. Your email account is shut down. They're serious, which means either you did something wrong or you did something really right. But they make sure all authority is taken from you. They escort you out to make sure you can't talk to anybody on the way out. A teacher or professor is only authorized over a person as long as they are their student. At least they should be. When God delegated a measure of his authority to a man in general, his instructions included all three of these limitations. So stop real quick before we go on because we've got a few minutes here. In every area of your life, you have some measure of authorization. And to see your life improve, you have to be a, a good steward, a general steward over that level of authorization. And then to go to the next level, you have to go above and beyond general goodness and stewardship. To be promoted on your job, you can't just show up on time and do the bare minimum requirements. Show up a little bit earlier, work a little harder, stay a little bit later, and you will catch the boss's eye. And he'll say, that man or woman can be trusted with more authority. Let me give it to him and the money that comes with it. For the kingdom to promote you, you've got a master everything in between your ears and everything in your earth suit and everything that your life touches. If you cannot be a good steward over what God's given you, you will not be given any more. That's summarized in, if, in the statement, if you can't be faithful over another man's, who shall give you your own? Our culture wants their own without ever having been a steward over another man's. And that's why the social media influencer was born. They were, they're famous for being famous because they contribute nothing to society but entertainment. And that's not praiseworthy. That's pretty lame. And I think if you watch the news, social media influencers have the highest rate of suicide because they live in a fairy tale land in their head and in the palm of their hand, and they have trolls that berate them. You couldn't pay me to be a social media influence. Why would you want to be that person? Why would you live in that no man's land? That's a phantom fairy tale. Teach your kids that that doesn't glorify God, that there's something bigger than to have an Instagram handle and take pictures and get likes. So what's the domain of your current authority? God said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Mankind's dominion is both geographical and biological. That's the domain. It included every living creature and the entire earth, not just the Garden of Eden. That's mankind in general. The, the scope of work for mankind in general is be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. And everywhere we've gone, mankind has fulfilled this. We've subdued the earth. We've tamed the wild. We've built infrastructure. We've developed science. We've built communication so that almost every inch of the globe is now inhabitable. We've developed science and technology, even Stone Age technology that allowed people to live in huts in the tundra and chase reindeer all over the frozen lands and build igloos. 
Mankind, even the pagans, fulfilled this scope of work. And then the time limit. Thou mayest, madest him to have dominion over the works of the hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Man was created to outrank the other works of God's hands. This is why we reject the whole concept of fur babies. Gaddy L's not in here. We were at breakfast the other morning, and the waitress came up. She kind of knows us. She said, hey, have I shown you guys a picture of my fur baby? And she has a picture, and she shows it to Gadiel, and Gadiel is from Cuba. He said, in my country, we eat things like that. About as subtle as a bulldozer in a china shop. I was going to be a little bit more tactful and kind of patronize the lady, you know. This is important to her. She's a pagan. She needs Jesus. I wasn't going to be the one to say, hey, you know, there's people in the earth that eat dogs. But she's a white lady. Uh, Gadiel is Hispanic. She can't be offended because that would be racist. And he testified that, hey, my people eat those dogs. It made for a very fun conversation. She didn't get offended because white people don't get offended. We're pretty tough like that. But the whole concept of fur babies mocks the authorization God ordained because we take something that somebody in the earth will eat and feed their child so they don't starve to death, and we elevate it to equal with a family member. And you want to see the hypocrisy of our nation, let's talk about puppy abortions. Let's talk about late-term puppy abortions and watch people's heads explode out of hypocrisy. Let's talk about cat abortions. Because if the Planned Parenthood of America can take a human being out of a womb and scramble their brains so they're not fully delivered, you know, it's partial birth. It's not really here, so there's no legal rights. Just pull half the baby out, then scramble its brains. Why don't we pull puppies out and just hit them in the head with a hammer? And then serve it. If it bugs you, it's because you don't have a biblical worldview. You have a pagan worldview affected by this nation. Animals are for eating. I will say something else that will stretch some of you. Animals were not intended for comfort. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit was intended for comfort. And whoever you turn to for solace is your comforter. And Jesus never authorized your chihuahua to lead you and guide you into all truth, to show you things to come and to be an ever-present help in time of need. Whereas Dr. Hanner called it a chihuahua. <laughs> this implies that time limit, the time limit to man's authority over the earth stands as long as the earth does. Even during the millennial reign of Christ, mankind will still have authority over the beasts of the field and every fish of the sea. So in conclusion, visualizing authority as a river flowing from the highest of elevations to the lowest of basins may help us with the concept of authority. All authority finds its headwaters at the throne of God, and from there it flows into the earth for the purpose of creating and maintaining peace in homes, churches, schools, businesses, societies. I might add individuals. Individuals. Authority is a gift from God. So let's bring it back more personalized. If you lack peace, you need to exercise your own authority. If you lack peace in your situation, peace in your storm, peace in your soul, peace in your heart, you need to spend time in prayer exercising authorization. You can command peace to the storm. 
Not every storm rocks a boat in the ocean. Most storms rock our little world in between our eyes and ears, and nobody even knows we have a hurricane in our head. We have a good social facade. We act like everything's okay. And at the same time, we're suicidal, we're depressed, we're discouraged. And you don't have to be suicidal. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be tipsy. You don't have to be beat up. You don't have to be uh, confused. You have authorization to command peace to that storm. And then you have the fellowship of the saints. So you should grab one of them and say, hey, come pray with me. Just look at me and tell me I'm not crazy. Because right now my head's telling me I'm crazy. But if you try to find peace in a dog, you'll hang yourself and your dog will be doggone down to the pet clinic and they'll gas them with carbon monoxide next time somebody forgets to adopt them. <laughs> Authority is a gift from God. Its ultimate purpose is peace. Everybody wants peace. We're chasing it a thousand and one ways. Our next lesson will discuss how to acquire authority because there's only one biblical way to get it, and everybody wants it. But let me encourage you, use the authority you've been given. Use the authority your boss has given you. Use the authority your parents have given you. Use the authority your government gives you. Use the authority God gives you, and you can have more peace than the rest of our society. If you lack peace, you've dropped the ball on authorization somewhere. If you want to see what a lack of authority, a lack of properly used authority looks like, look at the progressively run cities that have defunded the police. Major Fortune 500 woke retard corporations are moving out of cities that practice their own policy. Why? Because they're being robbed and looted every weekend. The liberal progressive DA of Chicago just quit her job and said, I cannot raise my kids in this crazy city. Well, enforce the law, stupid. Please don't come to the South and ruin our culture. When you refuse to enforce the laws God has given, you end up looking like a drug-filled, homeless-filled, lawless, progressive city like San Francisco, Seattle, Chicago, New York City, Atlanta. You end up looking like what lawlessness breeds, which is no peace, no stability, no prosperity, just urban blight. And it doesn't have to be that way. But it is a cancer. Lawlessness is a cancer that will metastasize and spread anywhere. People refuse to use the authorization that says, stop. This far have you come and no further. You need to do the same thing to your crazy head. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen? Amen? 